Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting podcast. If you've been listening to our recent episodes here with Dr. Gary Chapman, you might have been wondering, really, how important is it that I figure out what my child's love language is? After all, they're approaching teenage years. They're going to be a little monster that I don't know after a while. Well, I'm John Fuller along with Danny Huerta, and today Dr. Chapman is going to tell you exactly why it is so important for you to understand your child's love language. Here he is with Jim Daly. Uh, Gary, I so appreciate the wisdom that you're bringing. Uh, Let me ask you this question. Is it as simple as what we're talking about today? Do men and women end up in prison because they weren't loved? Jim, I think the most fundamental issue for any of us is to feel loved. If we feel loved by the significant people in our lives, we are going to reach our potential, or more likely, maybe I should say more likely to reach our potential for God and good in the world. If we don't feel loved by the significant people in our lives, we will likely never reach our potential. Mm -hmm. It's just that fundamental. And that's why I think for parents, it's so important to realize this concept. It sounds so easy in that context. It's not easy, though. We don't want to paint that picture. But when you look at the difficulty uh, that so many households are facing, I mean, we're talking about teenagers here, and you're looking at a culture that's grabbing them every step of the way, premarital sex, everything. And we as parents, we get frustrated, perhaps embarrassed, especially in the Christian community. Um, we start clamping down on that. We start restricting. We speak in higher and higher pitches, and we get into these arena matches with our teenager, perhaps shouting matches with our teenager, and we ground them, and we do all these things. But isn't it interesting, getting back to the words of Jesus, he's talking about love. Love them, and you'll see something blossom in them. Uh, We do that culturally as Christians. We want the rules to be adhered to. Doggone it, this is the way it's got to work. And yet the culture is saying, you don't love anybody. There's an application there, isn't there? It's almost that we're becoming so rigid regarding the rules that we're forgetting one of the two most important rules of them all. And that's when the the Lord expressed to us to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think, Jim... If indeed the teenager feels loved by the parents, the teenager is going to be much more responsive to what we're trying to do with our boundaries. Mm. And there needs to be boundaries. I mean, please don't hear me saying that there shouldn't be boundaries. Teenagers need boundaries. But if they feel loved, they're likely to respect those boundaries. And if they break those boundaries, they still need to feel loved. Mm -hmm. I love you no matter what you do. You know, we break God's laws. God still loves us. We suffer the consequences, and the teenagers should suffer the consequences. You know, I say to parents, if your teenager gets in jail because they were driving under the influence, don't go down and bail them out. Mm -hmm. Let them stay there a day or two. They will never forget it. You go down and bail them out, they're drunk again in two weeks, you know? Mm. So consequences are important for the teenager, but they need to be administered in love. I love you, son, because I love you. You have to suffer the consequences of what you did. But I'm here, and we're here for you. We'll visit you every day in jail (laughs) or whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. You know, you're there for them, but you let them suffer the consequences. All of us learn from suffering the consequences of our failures. Well, and let's explore that, that bailout culture that we have. That You know, we don't want any pain or suffering. 
We will avoid that at all costs. And we as parents will do everything to make sure that our teenager is avoiding pain and suffering. It's not a good parenting approach, is it? No, it's not. You know, Jim, one of the things I did with my son when he was a teenager, I would go over on Saturday nights to the local detention center, youth detention center. I would take him with me. We'd play ping pong with the teenagers who were there. Mm. And driving home, I would say to him, Derek, think about it, son. They're your age, and they're incarcerated. Hmm. Think Uh, about it. uh. That's all. You know, just trying to expose them to reality that when you make poor decisions, bad things happen. You don't have to preach to them. It's just exposing them. I would clip out articles in the newspaper where a 16-year-old was killed driving under the influence. And I'd say, son, read this. Isn't this sad? This guy's only 16. So, you know, it was teaching, but it wasn't preaching. Teenagers don't need preaching, but they do need teaching. Okay, so teens tend to not like being preached at. Frankly, I don't like being preached at. Uh, Danny, when it comes to helping your teen feel the consequences of their actions, what's a good perspective? What's a little less extreme than some of the things Gary was talking about? Well, most kids feel shame, a sense of failure, and sometimes feel the urgency to try to fix what they've already messed up rather than just absorbing what went wrong admitting that and then shifting. They almost want to fix it and it makes it worse, kind of mm. like quicksand. Yeah. Uh, in, in the case of a teen failing or, or doing something wrong, making poor decisions, it's good to just reflect with them. So what do you think is happening here? What just happened? What do you see? Help me see it from your perspective. And you'll get a lot of insight from that. They'll say, well, mm-hmm. I thought I tried my best. Or you may learn a lot about your child taking it that direction. And then helping them just reflect on, do you think you would do anything different than what you did? And do you think the results would be any different if you did that? And helping them consider with some reasoning the idea of questioning and then moving on. And there may be something that happens down the road where they feel safe that you just reflected and moved on. You didn't have to point out, hey, you, you just messed up and mm-hmm. I need to point this out. Yeah. They already know that. And they know that that they didn't do it right. They may not admit it in the moment, but the more gentle you are with it and showing that, man, I, I care deeply about my son or my daughter, and I'm just going to ask these questions and then move on, they'll get the point that you asked the questions with purpose, but you moved on. If they didn't answer it, you didn't keep poking. Yeah. You asked them. It's in there. They may ask the same question down the road. Uh, your role as a parent is to make sure they've paused enough to just think through what just happened. And, and making them aware that you'd love to have a conversation if they want. Mm. And this, I, I want to encourage parents. This is one of those things that takes time. You've got to just kind of let go. So it might be, you know, that you're building up toward the time when your child has a driver's license because there's a whole lot of freedom and responsibility that accompanies a driver's license. When you can get in that three or 4,000-pound car and you can drive off and I don't know what you're doing and you might hurt somebody, there's a lot of responsibility with that. So you don't want to get to this point at 16. You want to build up toward that so they're making their own decisions about schoolwork, about bedtime, about some other things that have consequences that happen in the home so that when they leave, they're not dealing with severe consequences and I've never had anything like this happen before, right? (laughs) That's right. You don't want them to wake up one day and say, gee, I've never seen that. I've never made that connection. Right. With movies, uh, 
news stories, use those uh, to your advantage as a parent to just reflect on what happened, what may have happened before that all happened, and what would it be like to be that family? How's that hmm. unfolding for them? Just as a time of reflection, not not in the moment, but in those conversational moments yeah. as you're looking and in, in, ingesting all the media that comes our way, have some conversations about those so that they can begin to put themselves in those situations. What would that have been like? What decisions would I have made mm-hmm. had I had the pressures that this person had in uh, deciding to drive under the influence and then uh, mm-hmm. changing other yeah. people's lives? You're really good about being intentional, Danny. That's one thing I've caught over the, the time that we've worked together here is be intentional, be a student of your child, ask about things, have conversations when there aren't tense moments, when there mm-hmm. isn't an issue at hand. Just look for the time when casually you can start exploring these things. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, just know Focus on the Family has a lot more for you as a mom or a dad uh, at our website. Uh, we've got a lot more on the topic here uh, at hand that we've covered today. Call us or find the link in the notes. And if you can make a donation today, we'd be appreciative. Um, your contribution is the fuel for the engine that does so much work around here at Focus on the Family. Um, If you make a donation today, we'll say thanks by sending a complimentary copy of Dr. Gary Chapman's great book, The Five Love Languages of Teenagers. Well, next time we'll be talking about moms particularly and that drive to be a super mom, to do it all perfectly and how you can let go of some of that. Until then, on behalf of Danny Huerta and the team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.